Okay, so the Holy Ghost. This is our new series. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, this topic is mysterious to us in many ways. And whenever there's ghost talk, we can get a little bit freaked out, right? But it's not a spirit. It's the Spirit of God that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And so the question is, what do we know about the Spirit of God? Now, for some of us, when we get into spiritual stuff like this, it doesn't, it doesn't hit us because it's not very practical. It doesn't seem um, like it's a part of our day-to-day activities. It seems disconnected, right? I think of the phrase, need-to-know basis. Now, we all have this in life where until we need help with something or until something causes us to be highly interested in uh, you know, something like what God is like, we don't need to know. We're not interested. It doesn't really affect us. And so if we don't think much about the spiritual world, we're going to think, what do I really need to know about this? But when something happens in our life, whether it's our job, relationships, our health, when there are challenges that we have to face, typically we're interested. We need or we're even desperate to know and experience more of God. So as an example, I'd like to talk to you about the pancreas. You're like, what? For years, I knew I had a pancreas, or at least I thought I did. I never really knew the purpose of my pancreas. I knew the purpose of my brain and my heart and my stomach. Um, I got their importance, but really didn't know much about the pancreas other than it had something to do with my digestive system. Never really thought about it. Didn't know it was important. Didn't need to know anything about it. But then something happened, something changed in our life where all of a sudden I needed to know more about it. Last year, my son Colin was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last February, a year ago February. So that meant his pancreas wasn't working right anymore. His pancreas wasn't producing insulin and you have to have insulin to live and to have health. And all of a sudden, I had a tremendous interest in what the pancreas was responsible for. Because the pancreas regulates and controls our body's glucose and blood sugar levels. It's essential for life. And so this was this incredibly hard discovery for us. We love our son, and here he is, you know, I mean, he's got his whole life ahead of him. And so Candace and I are trying to figure out everything that we can about how to help his body functioned well, and specifically his pancreas. And she's a nurse, so she went crazy on research. But it was more than just knowing. It was personal because it was our son. And it was personal for Colin because he had to figure out how his body could be strong and healthy. And from him, that meant he needed outside insulin that would allow his body to navigate the challenge of blood sugar. Well, we all want to experience life and we want strength. But you know what? There are all kinds of challenges in our world. And even more than just basic health, we want to have spiritual strength and health. To know that God is there, that he's present and he's involved in our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. That we need to know how the Holy Spirit's involved. 
that it's not just this mysterious thing. I mean, the, this, the, the God, you know, God works in mysterious ways. <clears throat> There's a lot that we don't understand. But what does the Holy Spirit do? And how is the Holy Spirit involved in our life? Now, you could say the Holy Spirit works a little bit like the pancreas. He's kind of hidden in there somewhere, and he works in mysterious ways. But that's not enough, is it? So the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to God. Now, if you think of it this way, God the Father is like the brain. He's the architect, the designer, and Jesus is the the builder. And then the Holy Spirit is the, I mean, you get the builder, kind of lays out the plans, but somebody's got to do the work. Somebody's got to make all the connections. And that's essentially what the Holy Spirit does. Now, the scriptures teach us that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're one God. Now, this is, I mean, this is mind-blowing for us, but they're one God and three persons. Three distinct persons, and they have different roles and functions, even though they work in perfect harmony together. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, if we do a little research throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. Starting with the opening, really the opening sentence of the Old Testament in Genesis, as God begins creating, it says the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God is active from the very beginning. And we hear throughout the scripture that the, the, the Spirit of God is like a breath or a powerful wind. He's a, he's a fire. When Jesus was baptized, he came in the presence of a dove. But here's one, incredi- one incredibly critical thing for us to understand about the Holy Spirit. Is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Spirit of God is not a force or an impersonal presence. He's a being who is personal. Like the Father and the Son, Jesus, the Spirit is personal because he's involved in us having a relationship with God. It's not something out there. It's something very personal for us. And God is personal and active in the process. And the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to God. And he's God's primary representative or agent for change and movement in our world. So in the Old Testament, here's how the the Holy Spirit functioned. Just a, a a little history. This is before Jesus came into the world. The Holy Spirit was alive and well and functioning, but functioned a little bit differently than he does today. You see, the Holy Spirit would come on people and be on and live with a person, usually a big time leader, a king or a prophet in the Old Testament to empower them for something very specific that that they were supposed to do. Um, So when Saul was anointed the first king of Israel in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on him to empower him for his leadership in that role. Here's what the text says in 1 Samuel chapter 10. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, Samuel, or uh, Saul, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Let me say it one more time. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and Saul, you will be changed into a different person. And that meant that God was going to be with him in a powerful way and to help him as he led. He was different now. He'd been one way, and now, because of God's presence, he was going to be different. But it was temporary. 
Now, I think of it this way. When we have uh, guests come to stay with us at our house, right, we, we do a lot of preparations when we know that a special guest is going to come. We want to get, kind of get everything cleaned up and in order. You know, maybe uh, you think of it when family comes or your mother-in-law comes, and my mother-in-law just came to visit last night, so I'm going to be careful right now. But we did a lot. We, we had to make our house look better for her arrival. Now, actually, we love having my mother-in-law, her name's Grace, with us because she is incredibly neat and tidy. And so she helps clean up for our kids. Even the kids smile. They're like, oh, it's so nice when grandma's here. But it's temporary when grandma comes. It's not permanent. Things get messy again in our house. And the Holy Spirit would visit people like this in the Old Testament for a very specific purpose to make their life and leadership better because he was present with them. But the problem for Saul was that he started messing up. Instead of listening to God, he began doing what he wanted to do or what he thought was best. And the Spirit of God, the text tells us, departed from Saul. And he lost his leadership ultimately because he was more concerned with his own glory than God's glory. So after the Spirit left Saul, he, became power, he came powerfully on David, the next king for Israel. And David was humble, he, uh, and, and he was able to accomplish many things. They won many battles, the, the kingdom began to grow and prosper, so that David was a man after God's own heart, and the Spirit of God was on him. But after a while, David messed up big time. And here's this moment where he was absolutely broken um, over the, the, the sin that he'd committed. And he was worried that the Spirit of God was going to depart, depart and leave him forever. And here's what he says in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to restore and heal and empower. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit works differently than he did in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that for a moment. Because when Jesus came into the world, God was present um, as he, you know, he came and became human. He became one of us. He moved into the neighborhood so that he could accomplish something that we couldn't. That's the problem for human beings is there's this break or separation with God and we need God's help for that to be repaired. And Jesus came to lay down his life for all of our mess, for all of our brokenness and to repair the relationship with God. And so as we as we come in faith, as we believe, as we put our trust in Jesus, that means that the Holy Spirit is already at work in us, beginning to connect us to God. And here's what happened. So after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, defeated the power of death and sin, he spent about 40 days with his followers and he, he shared, here's what the kingdom of God's like, here's how it's going to be, and the Spirit of God is going to come. You got to get ready because the spirit of God is going to make you different people. And then there was this event called Pentecost. In fact, today I was just, I just remembered it's, it's Pentecost Sunday, 
where we remember the outpouring of God's spirit, not just on one leader or one person for a specific role, but on everybody who follows Christ. On the entire church, the spirit of God is poured out. And not for a temporary thing, not for a little while, but forever. So if you uh, are living by faith and your trust is in Jesus, it means God's spirit is with you. Not just on you for a moment, but he's with you. Now, some of us may be wondering as we think about it, you know, maybe we haven't made that faith commitment yet. Or maybe we just look at our life and we say, you know what? How's that possible? My life's a mess. You know, I've made a bunch of mistakes or, you know, I'm in the middle of something right now that I don't know how to get out of. How can my life be such a mess if he's there and he's present? Well, that's what the work of God's spirit comes to do within us. He comes to make us different people. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. But he comes to live in us. I mean, he comes to stay with us, to make his residence with us, and to begin the process of slowly but surely cleaning up the mess. We don't do it in our power. We can't make it all better just by being smarter or just creating better behaviors. That's part of it. But it's the Holy Spirit's work to begin this process within us. And here's what Jesus said as he talked about the Holy Spirit, as he was sharing this with the disciples. These are some of his last words with the disciples, John chapter 14. He says this, if you love me, keep my commands, follow me, be in relationship with me. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I've not left you as orphans. I will come to you. And here's what we hear. I just want to say it again. Jesus says, he's coming to help you. He's an advocate and he will be with you forever. It's not temporary, it's permanent as we respond in faith. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to be willing and we need to be open to the Spirit of God helping us, to the the Spirit of God leading us and, and helping us. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the one that connects us to God. He's first a connector that we desperately need involved in our life. And so when Jesus talks about that, he says he's a connector, but he's an advocate. And the Greek word is paraclete. It's a really cool, it's not parakeet, it's paraclete. It's this cool word that means advocate. It's, uh, it's the one who stands for you and with you, who speaks on your behalf, who's there for you to encourage you. So kind of a broader definition, the Holy Spirit is a counselor and a comforter. This is so huge for us because he's the one who begins to show us and we have to spend some time in the scriptures. We have to get a feel for what God is like and what God wants to do in our lives. But he's the one who shows us our value and our purpose as kids, as part of the family of God. He reminds us 
that our lives are important and he wants to speak into our lives on a daily basis. He's the one who fills our bucket. Now, I like that phrase, but it really came to life for me this week because my daughter Emery came home from school. It was like midweek. And, and Candace, I don't know, I, I think Emery was getting in trouble for something. I don't remember the gist. Candace can tell you the exact story. This is my version. But anyway, she says, <clears throat> Candace says, you always get it wrong. So, uh, but Candace is like giving her some criticism on something that she didn't do. And Emery right away says, mom, you're not filling my bucket with your words. She says, you're filling your own bucket, but you don't care about my bucket. We're like, what do you say to that? One of those moments. It's like, man, the Holy Spirit fills our bucket if we're willing to spend time and to look to him. You see, we all need that. You know, we have times we're afraid, we're anxious, we don't know exactly what to do, we don't know what steps to take, and yet the Holy Spirit is the one who meets us in that and surrounds us with other people to help us and to support us. But, um, you know, I think when, when we went through that time a year ago with Colin, at first we were filled with anxiety and fear because we wanted our son to be healthy. And so we didn't just start doing research, we did, we did a lot of research we got him uh, to the best doctors we could. We did all that process, but we cried out to God. And the Holy Spirit came in those moments and comforted us. And it's not you know, something that you can say, okay, here's exactly what he did. We had the sense of God's presence and that it was going to be okay because he was involved, not just with us, but especially with Colin, that he was involved in what needed to happen in Colin's body. And I talked to a friend of mine this past week. His name's Paul, and he was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. And I haven't talked to him in quite a while, and it's been a really, it's been a tough time for him. Um, he's been in treatment and, you know, looking for some special treatments. But what he shared with me was, it's been unbelievable how he has experienced God through the process as he opened himself up, because in his weakness, there was nothing he could do. He opened himself to the help and the power of God. And he said the way that you know, his friends and, and people who are part of his church have surrounded him and kind of lifted him up, him up during that time has been huge. And when we're open, God comes. Not just for a little while, but he comes. And he will sustain us and comfort us and give us what we need. And the Holy Spirit, a um, couple more things. The Holy Spirit um, helps us in the process of discernment, which is basically knowing what to do, right? We all face uh, stuff in, in our lives, whether it's work, whether it's employees that we work with, difficult people we might work with, family issues, situations, key decisions we have to make. You know, my family, we've just been through this process. And it's where we seek what God's doing. And so we can read some scripture. We get the input of other people that we trust and we look up to. Other people that understand faith. I mean, we search it out. And God, through that process, is involved. The Spirit of God begins to nudge us and help us. 
And he's available to do that with us today, with each of us, no matter what we're confronted with. Now, a couple things that we're going to be talking about that I just want to preview over the next two weeks, because this is where we're going to get real practical. Next week, we're going to talk about how God empowers us on a daily basis. And the following week, we're going to talk about how God gifts us, that the Holy Spirit um, gives each of us gifts that we can use to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And then ultimately, these gifts help build the church and the body to make the body of Christ healthy. Um, but here's the, here's the thing that I want to bring, kind of bring it all together with, and that's this. Remember in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would come on a leader and make them different? I want you to know this this morning. As you think about your own life and faith, as you think about God coming to comfort you, to be with you, he wants you to know today that as you consider your faith, whether you've made a faith commitment or whether you're following Christ right now, his gift to you is to make you different. His, his desire is for you to become or start this process of becoming the person that he's designed you to be. He doesn't just throw it out there. God says, I'm going to be a part of that. You were made to be different. You were made to be unique. You're made to have a special part to play in this world. And the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to lead us in that process of discovery. And I wish I could tell you, you could figure it out today. It doesn't happen in a day, but it happens in a community. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. As we head into a new week together, I'm going to ask you just uh, to try to begin each day saying, God, I need to know you. I need to know your presence this morning. And just to take a moment and say, God, will you please go with me today? It may be, you may be in such a, you know, a, a difficult place in your life right now where you're saying, I don't even know how to do that. You can just say, God, help me. Just help me today. Will you be with me? Will you lead me? And I promise you, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal some stuff to you. The Holy Spirit will begin to go with you. Please pray with me as we think about this together. Lord, there's, uh, there's lots that we don't understand about you. I mean, you're God. And yet as we think about the Holy Spirit and as we, we try to open ourselves to your presence, to your leading, please would you meet us in this place today? Would you show us? Would you begin to, sh- to, to help us with um, how we can discover your power on a daily basis, that you truly are available, that you have been poured out into our world and into our lives as we have faith. And you have stuff for us to experience this week. Help us today. Help us tomorrow. May God, uh, may God, may you uh, show us Help us 
empower us. We pray this in Christ. Amen.